Welcome to the Victory Family Church Newcastle podcast. We wanted to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God called you to be. Here's Pastor Matt Porter. Well, good morning, family. How are you doing? We good? Good. Glad you guys are lively bunch today, man. Worship was outstanding. Let's give our worship team a huge round of applause. God, good, man. I love, I love worship, man. I love singing. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And so if you're a guest with us, man, uh, really, we are honored that you would come and uh, just check this place out. Uh, we say this a lot, but man, we, uh, I pray this is the place for you. But maybe it's not. Uh, I'm praying that God has taken you somewhere where he wants you to be, that literally you would fulfill the purpose that God has for you. But again, we're honored that you would come and be a part of what we think God is doing. Before we dive into the word today, let me tell you a few things that you got to know. Tonight is team night, which is going to be outstanding. If you don't know what that is, anybody who serves the ministry at all, so about once a quarter, we get together, both campuses together. Before long, we'll have all three campuses that will join together for a huge team night where we just celebrate, man. We celebrate all the things God has been doing. Uh, Literally, it's people that are in the trenches who've been serving in ministry together. Let me say this. So we call it team night. It's for people who are in ministry. But listen, I'm going to give you the end. If you look at me in my eyeballs and you say, dude, I'm thinking about serving. Go, because I want you to experience this. It is incredible. It is incredible. It is incredible. There will be fire on the stage. I am positive of that. Like every time. Awesome, awesome. The theme is kind of like a like pep, pep, kind of pep band high school thing. So get that letter jacket out. Roll that thing tonight. That's fine. Don't feel the pressure. If you don't want to, you can roll a t-shirt. That's fine too. But come be a part. Man, I, and this is like the selfish side of me. I love Newcastle to roll deep. I'd love for us just to roll in there deep with tons of people. It's at 6.30 at our Norman location. Just show up. There'll be no confusion. Just show up. People tell you what to do. It's going to be awesome. Come be a part of that. Uh, make sure you also know, so get to know is the class that you go through. Number one, to learn about the church. Why are we doing such a thing? Why would we have ever planted Victory Family Church six years ago? Why are we doing this in Newcastle? That's one reason. But two, we make everyone go through this class if you want to serve in, in, in different areas. And so uh, we typically, just kind of the general rule for us here at Newcastle is the first Sunday of the month is get to know at one o'clock. Well, because of our Serve With Us campaign has been so incredible. 65, I think, so far have signed up to serve in the last couple of weeks. Give yourself a big round of applause. Some of those have to be you. And so... Uh, we're doing that class more often. So next Sunday, uh, the 15th, we're going to do it at 1 o'clock, and then we're going to do it again the 29th. I want to get through as many people as we can. Uh, the reality is we're pretty much standing room here only. Uh, a couple things I would tell you. One, uh, uh, we have an 830, and you all want to come to it. Like, you're welcome. Uh, come to 830. But two, I think 1 o'clock's coming. I think the 1 o'clock service is coming, and so we need people to serve in all different capacities. But let's go to work. Hey, guys, you ever said this? You ever said something like, well, they had it coming. Like, that's what they get. They had it coming. Like, you thought to yourself, like, this, they did this, they got what they deserved. Maybe some of these guys, ring a bell. So this guy, he, he takes his Explorer. He said, I'm going to park in the motorcycle, motorcycle parking. Well, this guy's going to park behind you. You're not going anywhere. That's what you get. That's what I think in this. The next one, my favorite one, I think this is England, actually. Park in a handicapped spot without a sticker. You get post-it noted. The whole car that's what you get, though, bro. Like, I love the people taking pictures. Don't park a handicap if you're not handicapped. Next one. I love this next one. Uh, this dude, so he said, I got this new red car. It's sick. I'm not parking a spot. I'm going to straddle the line. Oh, sweet. You get two Jeeps right beside you. That's what you get. That's what you get, right? Or maybe it's like you see the criminal on TV, steals the woman's purse. He turns smack dab into a pole. That's what you get, bro. Like, it just it is what it is. That's the mentality that we all 
have? Well, I want to look today really at a passage of Scripture that I think a little bit flies in the face of that in Romans chapter 8. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But I would say this, if you're going to memorize any Scripture, this would be a great start. Romans 8 is a beautiful text that really illustrates the gospel that we believe in. And so uh, let's go to work here in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. The text reads this way. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So God stepped in, did what the law could not do. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement, there was a requirement, we had to fulfill this law, that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in you and I, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so right out of the gate, immediately you look at the first verse we get, there is now therefore no condemnation. This, this idea, for me, I'll speak for me, this idea of no condemnation is a bit foreign. It, it's a bit difficult concept for me because literally my human nature says, bro, if you did the crime, you got to do the time. Like that's my mindset. Like you've got to pay for this. <clears throat> we love it when the guilty get caught, right? We do. We love it. We want justice to happen every time. You made the bed, you get to lay in it. That's our mindset always. So I think that's why Romans chapter 8 is difficult for us, man. It's difficult for us, human nature, to grab a hold of what it really means that Jesus would say through Paul that that there's no condemnation for you unless we really understand the nature and character of our God. I think think you can look at it then and, and maybe understand a little more because it's not ours. I hope you know that, right? Your nature, your character, nothing like God's. Mine, nothing like God, so I want to look really over at John chapter 8, that I think a passage that really kind of parallels with Romans 8, and just look at the, uh, look at the kind of the nature and character of our God. So starting at verse 1, it says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery in placing her in his midst. So uh, this is important. I don't want to be weird or graphic, but this is important for us to understand. The Greek language really is kind of gruesome here. Like it's literally caught in the eye. This isn't like she was a bad child when she was 16 years old. Like literally caught in the eye. That's going to be important for us here in a few minutes. Verse 4 says, they said to him, teacher... This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such a woman. That's what the law said. So so that's what we need to do, right? That's what he's saying. What do you say? Really, they're doing this to test him that they might bring charges against him. Now, watch what John does. I think John wants us to see that Jesus' posture actually changes. If you've been around the church for any length of time at all, you've heard preachers just wonder, maybe they guess, like, what did he write on the ground when he bends down? We don't know. We don't know what he's about to write on the ground. I think, I think if God wanted us to know, I think he'd wrote it there. But I do think it's important. I think we begin thinking too much about that. I have a lot of ideas what I think he wrote. But I think we think too much about that. We forget. The point is his posture changes. Like Jesus' posture changes. He's very clear about that. So the next verse says Jesus actually bent down. Jesus is standing. 
He bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. Didn't answer him. What are we supposed to do? The law of Moses says a stoner. What do we do? He went down to the ground and they continued to ask him, come on, hello, hello. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Jesus? What are we doing? Continued. What are we, it's like your children. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Over and over, right? He stood up again and he said to them, okay, that's fine. Let him who has no sin among you, you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more then, he bent back down. That's all he said. Let's do it then. If you want to do it, let's do it. Whoever has no sin, get started. Nothing else. He bends back down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And then Jesus was left with the woman standing before him. And then here it is. Beautiful. Verse 10 says, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Where are they? No one, no one has condemned you. She said, no, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So now go free. Like what? Are you kidding me? Like free is what you like. She's free. She broke the law. According to the law, it's punishable by death. Notice Jesus didn't correct them. They're telling the truth. They're quoting this law unbelievably well. He doesn't say, no, 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 you got the law wrong. That's the law. According to the law, whether we like it or not, according to the law, she deserves death. According to the law, that's what she deserves. And I'm all in because I want punishment. Now, I mean, not kill her. Let's get her some community service or something. I don't know. Like, I don't want to kill her, but like, I want her to pay for it a little bit. Like, that's my mentality is you need to pay for what you did. Who knows how many families you wrecked? You need to pay for what you did. But Jesus says, go, stop doing what you're doing and sin no more. Because you see, Jesus lets her go. He gives her freedom. He offers her complete freedom. Because when there's no condemnation, that equals freedom. If there's no accuser, there can be no condemnation. So clearly we see, just from this lady's example, clearly freedom is available. Like complete freedom actually is available. So how do we experience that? How do you and I take from what she got, how do we learn from that? So write this down. Number one, trust in Jesus. Write that down. It sounds so obvious, but write that down. Trust in Jesus. So Jesus is teaching and total chaos erupts here. I just imagine there's these yelling accusation. She's about to lose, probably barely clothed, about to lose her life. They were about to stone her. And listen, everyone would have known who Jesus was. He didn't just roll up on the set. Like, he's been around. Like, she would have known. The people there would have known. I just wonder, like, is she at all like, oh, is there any way? Like, is there any way he can stand in the gap here? Can he fix this for me? Any way he can do a miracle? Can he turn water into wine over here, diverge something? Can he do anything to get the attention off me? Is there really any hope? Can he save me in this? Because the reality is, knowing the situation, knowing the law, Jesus is her only hope. Like, there's no other, there's no other choice. Like, that's her, she can't run away. Like, Jesus is her only hope. Listen to me, church. 2,000 years later, listen, Jesus is your only hope. Like he's literally our only hope. Your money cannot save you. Your, your, your family history, can't. my boys don't get saved because daddy's a pastor. Like you, your money can't, your, your righteousness, your works can't, your reputation cannot save you. We have to trust in Jesus. And trust, man, that's a hard thing. Like, I'll confess, man, I don't trust anyone, man. It's so hard. Sometimes it even, I think it lends sinful on my part. Like, it's so hard for me to trust anyone. Let me, let me just confess some sins to you this morning. If you're a school teacher here, I'm unbelievably sorry. But so, for instance, uh, fifth grade, my boys are in. 
And if you're in this school district, you know fifth grade means uh, Camp Goddard. Camp Goddard means they go away for two days. And I'm confessing, listen, I may be the worst helicopter parent on the planet. I get it. And so thinking through this whole situation like, oh, really? My, my, my children are going to go away for two days. My, we don't do sleepovers. And I'm, if you do, that's fine. We just don't. And so they, they're going away with some somewhat strangers, in my opinion. And so this lady called me the other day, teacher, uh, incredible godly woman, actually, I know. And she said, she was nervous to ask me. She just said, no, no man, like, like if money's a problem, like let us help, let us help. And I said, no, no, let me shoot straight with you. I don't trust you people. And I'm not, I, 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 like, like I just don't. And it's not you. I barely trust my wife. Like I'm just saying like, it's my issue. It's my issue. It's not yours. You're, you're an incredible school. We've had incredible teachers. But I said, I'm just jacked up a little bit inside. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Let me think through this more, et cetera. But trust, man, it's just hard. And so Jesus somewhat, maybe for you, is a bit of a stranger. Like if you don't know the Lord and you got this guy up on stage saying you got to trust Jesus, for you, maybe I'm saying trust a complete stranger. And that's different. That's weird. I want to show you guys a clip I saw this week that just mesmerized me. So this is the, I guess it's the Paralympics where literally, just like downhill skiing we see, the issue is actually the guy in the front cannot see. He's actually blind. And so I read about this. If they're not completely blind, only a certain percentage, to make it fair, his goggles are completely blacked out. Like the dude can't see a thing. He hears he gets to listen. The guy behind him is telling him, turn right, turn left, in probably more ski terms. But he's telling him to do this, turn this over and over. Like complete trust, only listening to a voice going down this hill. It's unbelievable. Like I just watched this in sheer amazement. Like I don't trust me with my eyes open. This dude literally can't see anything. And he literally is putting his full trust, just listening. If you'll hear that the commentary actually says the mountain goes quiet. Like it's just so peaceful. It's so quiet. It takes a tremendous amount of trust. Listen, no one could save this woman. Nobody except Jesus. She had to put her full trust in him. Now listen, Jesus wasn't option B for her. Like it's her only option. Like she understands it's her only option. And what you'll notice is when she puts her trust in him, his forgiveness was immediate. It's, it's beautiful, but, but I do want to show you something. If you look back at Romans chapter 8, the first verse, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. For who, though? For those who are in Christ Jesus. So I, I do want to be super clear that not everyone can say there's no condemnation over my life. It's only those, according to the text, this isn't me. This isn't Pastor Matt's illustration. According to the text, it says only those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Some are in him, and there are those who are not in him. If you'll read your New Testament, Paul makes that differentiation between those two all the time. There are those that are in Christ and those that are outside. In fact, in the next chapter, in chapter 9, he explicitly says with grief that there are those who are accursed. They're separated altogether from Christ. So the opposite of the beautiful, precious phrase, in Christ, is the horrific phrase, separated from Christ. And so ask yourself this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but where are you? Would you consider yourself in Christ 
Or are you separate from Christ? Let me, let me teach just a bit I think is important. I'm not trying to be a smart preacher here, but let me teach a little bit of, I think, theology we have to understand as this church. If you want to be able to say, there is now no condemnation for me because of what Jesus endured for me, you have to be in Jesus. You have to be in Jesus because if you're in him, listen to me, what happened to him happened to you. If you're in him, you died along with him on that cross. But if you're separated from him, if I'm separated from him, I have no warrant really saying what happened to him happened to me. And then maybe you say, well, no, 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 no. He died for the whole world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. Yes, indeed. But what that really means is there's infinite room in Jesus. Jesus is in a small hotel with just a few rooms. Like if there's infinite room in Jesus, there is room for everyone. That's why he says in Matthew 11, and everyone is invited and commanded, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden. In Revelation 22, he says, let the one who's thirsty, let the one who wishes to take water of life without cost come to me. In John 6, he says, the one who comes to me, I certainly will not cast out. But, but what if you don't come? Like, what if you don't come? What if you don't believe? What if you don't receive the free gift? Well, Jesus tells us in John 3, 36, he says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Listen, no one wants to hear the wrath of God. People don't want to hear that. We've, we've went away from teaching about it in church altogether. No one wants to hear that, but it says it's taken away for those that are in Christ, not the ones that are outside. So listen, if you know me at all, you, I'm not Turner Burn preacher. That's not me. That's not my MO. That's not the, but listen, I have this, I have this awful fear that one day, if we don't tell the truth in these pulpits, like that one day I will stand before the creator of the world. And literally, I just don't want to hear, Matt, you knew the truth and you're too scared to tell people. Like, why wouldn't you tell people you had the secret to life? You had the secret to no condemnation and you were too scared. It's just, it's, what the, it's the best way I understand the scriptures. But listen to me, if you're outside, it's okay because here's the good news. You don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay under condemnation. There is room in Christ. There's always room in Christ. And Christ's word literally to every sinner is come, trust me, enter. I will be your life, your righteousness. I will be your pardon. I will take your condemnation. Something else I want to point out is the word now there. Like it's, it's like this now, like it's finally here. It wasn't the case always. Don't think that condemnation disappeared. Like it was a miracle, like it just vanished. That's not what happened. But it's saying now, finally now. So for years, if you look at your Old Testament, for years, man, the law commanded and the law condemned all of the lawbreakers. But the law couldn't remove condemnation from sinners. The law is almost like an x-ray, right? That shows us what's broken. Our deal is we, we match ourselves up with other people. So I'm quick to think about my uncle. He, he is a terrible human being. I match myself up with him. And I think like, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. That's not what you do, man. The, the idea would be you would match yourself up really against the law, allow it to, to x-ray you how you really are. But, but, it, but the law doesn't have the ability to fix what is broken. That's why we needed a savior. But why couldn't the law do it? Because you can't keep it. 
Because I can't keep it. Like, we can't keep it. And Paul quotes there in Galatians, actually. He quotes Deuteronomy 27. And he explains. Let me read this to you. Just listen to this. He says, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and to do them. So this changes the game a bit, right? It changes the game for us. When you understand that Deuteronomy 27 says, cursed is everyone who doesn't abide by all of the law, not just a little bit, like we're not playing with percentages anymore, right? Like, I mean, literally, like, have you ever thought like, oh yeah, I'm going to stand before God. I know that. But I'm going to say, bro, all these good things. I did a few bad things. Like I did all these good things in my life. What's well, some sort of defense, right? I haven't done all bad. Well, according to Deuteronomy 27, that doesn't count. More good than bad doesn't count. Because the problem is the scripture said not to get most of them right. The scripture said all of them or there's a curse on your life. If you've broken one, you've broken them all. So let's just take a quick time out just for fun here. Let's just take a starting place. Let's just take a starting place to the Ten Commandments. It's morality 101, right? It's surely, it's, we have problems putting them everywhere, but, but n- n- very few people you're going to come in contact with is going to say, no, those are just bad laws. Most people agree, whether you're a believer or not, most people agree it's a pretty good idea. But let's just take a quick poll just for fun. We'll start backwards and work our way down. Number 10, how many guys have ever wanted what other people have? We're done. Like, we're already done. We're on number 10, and like, we're already done. Like, I see people's stuff all the time. I'm like, I'm coming a little bit. Like, I'd like to have that car. Number nine, how many of us have ever said something untrue about someone else? The rest of you are liars. Do not raise your hand. Yes, we have. We absolutely have said things that are untrue. How many of you guys have ever taken something that's not yours? Got about 20 Andy's mints in your pocket right now. Take a few. Number seven and six, it'll narrow the field a bit. How many of you guys have ever cheated on your spouse? Are you kidding me, pastor? Never. Well, listen, Jesus goes on in the New Testament and actually says, if you've ever thought lustfully about a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. So you're probably out there too. Have you ever murdered someone? Don't answer that. If you haven't, <laughs> let's talk after. Let's do this, let's do this properly. Let's cop here. We'll figure all that out afterwards. <laughs> Disrespecting mom or dad. Kids in the house, listen to me. Like, the, it's a law. It's one of the 10. One of the 10. Don't disrespect mom or dad. I have. I still, at 41 years old, unfortunately, I do even to this day sometimes. How many of you guys have gone an entire week without resting? Sabbath's a big deal. Like, we make jokes about it. It's a big deal that we would actually rest and think on the things of the Lord. We will work ourselves death. How many of you guys have ever, have ever said God told us to do something when he actually never did it? That's really one of the things it means to take God's name in vain. Like, it's really bigger than just saying a cuss word after his name. Like, it's a bigger deal than that, actually. How many of you guys have fashioned an, an image out of something? Maybe not making golden calves at home, but maybe you've turned your child into an idol. Maybe you've turned your kid or your kid's sports into, i got to watch my own self. Like, you've turned something into an idol, and then, number one, you begin worshiping that idol, even if it's something that God told you to love. God, God, God is commanding us to love our kids, but not to make them God. Our children make terrible gods, but we turn them into God all the time. And you start realizing this, you start thinking, and this is just 10, man. Look at the next book. There's 613 laws in Leviticus, and most of us have broken most of them. And if this, takes, if this is what it takes to be saved, and I can't just play the percentage on this, but I actually have to do all these things, then I'm out. Like if there's ever going to come a time where sinners like myself could experience no condemnation when the ungodly could really be justified by faith, then God would have to do something 
besides give a law. And that's what he did as his son in the human nature as a representative and a substitute. And right there on the cross in the suffering of his son, God condemned sin. But whose sin? Not, not Jesus. Jesus didn't have any sin. Ours. He took yours and my sin to the cross. And this is the gospel. Like that's Christianity. All of us were under condemnation because of our sin. Again, I just think you need to get this to make sure you understand. It didn't just disappear. It came. It just came on the back of Jesus. So you see Jesus, his own son, absorbs the wrath of God that was coming for you and I. So now, finally, there's now con no condemnation. So our part, my part, your part, is to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus for what he did for you. He's our only hope of zero condemnation. He's our only hope of true freedom. So number two, write this down. You got to walk in it. If you want to experience that and have some real freedom in life, you've actually got to walk in it. So Jesus says to the woman, go, stop doing it. You're forgiven, but stop it. Stop and go and sin no more. I have something better for you. I have something way better for you. I have something that's, that's more for you, ma'am. In order for you to actually be free, you're going to have to stop what you're doing. And so he wants to set us free. But often, many of us, we, we've been set free, but we'll go back to that prison. We'll continue to go back to that prison over and over. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, what shall then we do? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? This grace thing is so good, can we just keep sinning? And it's going to forgive us. Can we just keep doing it? By no means, he says. How can we who died in sin, remember that, we learned that, we died in sin, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into G Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We're free from it. But for whatever reason, we go back to that well over and over. Like we find ourselves and we get literally free and we experience literally this freedom. And we begin walking around, but we're free, man. God set us free. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was 15, 20 years ago. But literally, you are walking as a free man or woman in Christ for what he's done. And so before long, man, sanctification starts going in your life. And literally, you begin to have a lot of hope. The world feels like it's hopeless, but you don't, you've got Jesus. You feel like you literally are walking with hope. And then finally, thank God, you feel like you actually have a purpose. Like you, you, you walk around and you have purpose in your life. It's an incredible life. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not saying life's perfect, but I'm saying you walk in some real freedom. You know what I'm talking about. You have purpose, you get it. But before long, if you're not careful, shame starts coming back in your life. And so you've got to drop a little bit of your purpose because then you're walking with some shame. And here's the tricky thing. You're still a little free. And the problem is some of us will walk like this because you're not just completely bondage at this point. You're still walking a little bit of free, but then doubt. Man, the enemy begins to tell you you're not saved. You're not what you do. Here's who you are. And literally you drop hope and you pick up doubt. And so then you're walking around. You're still a little free though, man. Like you can still raise your hands and worship. Like you still feel like you want to worship and, and feel the Lord and his love he has for you. You feel that. And before long, man, insecurity steps in and you'll, you'll, you'll drop it. You'll drop freedom altogether. And you find yourself wrapped back up, chained back up. Nothing that God has done, but you've done all of this or the enemy has. You find yourself literally with no freedom left at all. 
all. And when he set you free, you went back. Literally, it's like this imaginary change you put back on yourself. And so you see the Roman church saying, God gave us grace, right? So can't we just have both? Can't we do it? You can't. You can't. Paul's saying, no, you're free. You're actually free from it. So release your old and have your new. We're new. You're new. We don't have to take it with us. Leave it back alone. You can't live the life he's designed you to live walking like that. Like the, the John 10, 10, like I came to give you an abundant life. Abundant life doesn't look like feet and doubt, and insecurity. That's not the abundant life. Also, I love the fact that he says now, for now. So do you think about it when you, when you grew up? Do you guys ever have testimony night at your church? Remember testimony night? Oh, Brother Bill gets up there, and he talks about the Lord setting him free in the 80s. Crowd goes nuts. Glory to God, set him free in the 80s. Brother Bill never talks about what he did last night. Right? Because time, in essence, I, mean, I don't feel guilty for anything I did in junior high right now at 41 years old. I just don't. Time will heal that. But why we never talk about yesterday. That's for her. She was just caught. That, again, she wasn't a teenage promiscuous girl. It just happened. And he immediately said, you are free. You're free. It's immediate. It's now. Even the stuff yesterday, he sets you free from walk in your freedom, then you'll live. You'll live free. Number three, let's land this thing. Shift your thinking. We've got to start thinking differently as believers. I want to answer a question I get asked a whole lot. So if there's, if, if pastor, there's no condemnation, that's what you're saying. So literally, if there's no condemnation, why is it that I still feel guilty? Why is it that I still feel like even bad things might even happen to me when I do certain things? Why is that? Listen to me. No condemnation does not mean no earthly consequences. It just doesn't. It doesn't mean the same thing. If you shoot someone, you're going to jail. Jesus may forgive you. He forgives you and he loves you, but you're still gonna have to pay for what you did. You are free from eternal consequences. Praise God. But not the temporary ones. We pay for those here on this Genesis 3 fallen world. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean the perfect life. I feel like I, in the churches I preach, I feel like I want to continue to remind people of that over and over and over. Freedom in Christ. There's been a false, in my opinion, false prosperity feeling that when you give your life to Christ, everything is just perfect. That's not true. You'll find no evidence in that in the scriptures. God's here to bless, absolutely. Is he going to bless some of you? Absolutely. Financially, absolutely. Do you get to hijack the scriptures and demand because you, God, you said this, you got to do this? That's not true. That's a pipe dream. That's not true. God never promises the perfect life. James, in fact, points out to count it as joy when you face these trials. We're never promised perfect. We aren't. But listen, what we are promised, this is where we got to change your thinking. You are promised a perfect eternity. There's going to be a day where there's no pain. There's going to be a day when there's no hurt. There's no disease. There's no fear. There'll be a day where there's no insecurities, no sin. And many of you, man, you may be going through some of the darkest times of your life, even this very minute. Freedom's coming. Like eternity is coming where there's none of that. You don't face any of that. In Christ, listen, embrace conviction. It's good. Embrace it. But eliminate condemnation. Conviction's healthy. It's an awful story about, I don't know, three or four years ago. 
I was with my youth pastor at my last church and we were talking to this poor young girl, man, just incredible, man, really godly girl. She's a junior or senior high girl and she just made a terrible decision, terrible. Good kid, great kid. Uh, I'll say she sent some pictures to her boyfriend. And unfortunately, that boy did what most boys would do. Those went everywhere. This poor little girl's life, she was, she was devastated, bawling her eyes out. She's a good kid. She made a stupid decision. And I remember she's crying, saying her life is ruined. And at one point, she literally just says, why? Why is God doing this to me? And as pastoral as we could, we just said, listen, God loves you, but God didn't hit that send button. Like he didn't hit that button. So there's going to be some earthly consequence. That's not condemnation. There's things that happen to us on this earth. It doesn't mean you're being condemned. You're, listen, your eternal condemnation, if you're in Christ, that's over. That's over. There'll be a day you'll face God. It's not like he's going to look back at your sins and you're going to face condemnation. Or the cross was useless. It's over. If you're in Christ, your condemnation is over. But listen, I'm telling you, what the enemy wants you to do is to focus on your past. God wants you to see your future. I heard an old quote this week that you should probably write down. It's not me. It's incredible. It says, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. So listen, if you feel condemnation, something that you've already confessed, something you've already repented, that's not God. That's not God. That's either you or that's the enemy. The enemy continues to remind you, to bring you up the fact you're not saved. He doesn't love you. You screw up over and over. But if you've already confessed that, that's not God. That's the enemy. Gospel means good news, good news. And I have good news. Trust Jesus. Walk in it and shift your thinking. And I'm certain we will walk in freedom. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the freedom, God, that we are, that we're promised through Jesus. And you sending your son, what it means for us and what it means for us on this earth to walk in freedom. There's some, there's some pretty big eternal rewards, God, but there's some earthly rewards too that we can walk in this freedom. And so God, we just, uh, we just thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you did for us. It, it just changes everything for us. And so just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you three different groups here, three different questions. And I want you just to think just to yourself. Don't look around. Just think to yourself. Number one, maybe you would say, man, I, I haven't. I've never trusted Jesus. I've, I've, I've never done that. But, but if you tell me that, that I'm, literally that, that there's, there's condemnation that was coming and there's a, a man named Jesus who stepped in my way and took that upon me for whatever reason, like today you just have this inkling that I think it's him drawing you to himself, that you want to say yes and follow him. Listen, just in your own words, sit there, just say, God, save me. Just as you sit there, I mean, you don't got to say it out loud, just say, God, save me. Just say, I, I believe you died for me. Save me, God. I repent of my sin. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, God, but I want to follow you. I want to try to figure this thing out. I surrender my life. Just echo a prayer like that, something like that in your heart. If, if you did that, I want later when we finish, but I want you to mark that down. I want someone to talk to you on your connect card. Mark that down. Or, or maybe you would say this. Maybe you would say, I've walked with the Lord for quite some time. But for whatever reason, I feel a bit in bondage. I just need to walk in the freedom that I already have. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Yeah. I just need to walk in it. And then some of us in here, man, we just need to shift our thinking. 
Some of us, man, we just need to zoom back. We need to zoom back to 30, 40,000 feet and look at the whole thing here and begin thinking on eternal things. There's a day coming where there truly is no pain. You just want your mind to shift a little bit. That's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Yeah. Just shift our mind. Father God, I, I just pray for each and every group that's represented. God, I pray for that person who trusted you for the first time today. God, I pray that they would begin now walking in that freedom. They're different. God, I pray for all the, the believers in the house, God, that just need some, some push just to walk in this freedom, God. I pray for all of us, God, to shift our thinking. God, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.